0: Do you have fully vacant units on your property that you have mothballed until next semester? If you do, I bet you've thought to yourself, we should list those on Airbnb for game day weekends or for parents visiting their kids. Maybe you're in a college town like Austin or Raleigh or Tallahassee, and your city has large festivals and not enough hotel rooms. You know you could lease those units on a nightly or a weekly basis. Providing short-term rentals on platforms like Airbnb can provide a great source of ancillary income, but it takes some, uh, all right, excuse me, it takes a lot of organization. There's the additional setup of providing linens and coffee makers and all the little things that a short-term tenant will expect. Then there's the regulatory and tax issues that could require additional work. More importantly, there's the time and labor to market on all the multiple platforms, handle the reservations and cancellations, the cleaning, and then there's the bookkeeping. All of this turns into a big distraction from the main job at hand, which is operating and leasing your property. That's where Vector Travel comes in. These guys know the short-term rental industry and they know how to relieve all of those burdens from the property manager. And best of all, they've become experts in how to do that with student properties. They understand the complexity of mixing travelers with college students. They know it so well, they can quickly identify if a student property is not going to be a good fit for their program. So if you have vacant units, reach out to Vector Travel and have them do a free, no obligation assessment to determine if enrolling your vacant units in their program will be beneficial. Go to vectorstays.com forward slash SHI Fill out a quick form to receive more information. You will also get the first month service fee waived by going to that specific landing page. Again, that's vectorstays.com forward slash SHI. Welcome to the Student Housing Insight Podcast, where we're putting you in touch with the people who bring student housing to life. I'm your host Wesley Deese, and joining me today is one of those people. Uh, if you've if you're a new <laughs> if you're a new listener to uh, to our audience into uh, our podcast, you may not have heard this voice yet, because <laughs> it's been a while. But he is one of our co-hosts, Ken Miller. Ken, how are you doing?
1: Hey Wes, I'm doing well, and I promise I've not been in a bunker anywhere. I've uh, actually <laughs> been working. <laughs> I didn't uh, didn't take the pandemic off.
0: <laughs> you had a you had a busy twenty twenty one to say the least. So we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. But but yeah, for for those that don't know, Ken, he's been involved in the student housing world for quite some time. You were with with Peak and uh, what are some, who are some of the other companies you've been with? I uh, started
1: my student housing career with Ambling way back
0: when. Yes and done everything from the information technology side of, of our business to actually leading up operations.
1: Yeah, about uh, a little over 28 years now of experience in IT all the way through to the operation side and everything in between and then uh, somehow made the crossover to the uh, vendor world. Uh, yeah. One of those bridges led me
0: there. <laughs> it's it's amazing how many folks, and you know I always tell people like, You know, sometimes we we were treated like the redheaded stepchildren of the multifamily world. And um, it's kind of funny seeing how things have, have, you know, come around where, because I always used to tell people that the multifamily world, I know there's a lot of people that work hard in it. But for the most part, when you compare it to student housing, it's just a different, it's a different pace. And it's a pace that I find quite. Boring, just to be completely honest, <laughs> and uh, and I know that's going to offend some people, but it's just I'm I'm student housing through and through, and it's it's funny hearing from vendors who have recruited out of multifamily, uh, you know, come back and say, you know, we're we're really focused on recruiting out of out of student housing because. Those are the folks that are being innovative and thinking differently, thinking outside the box. And, you know, I think it just goes along with what, what we've experienced in our industry. So it doesn't, doesn't surprise me that you've <laughs> found your way to, to the vendor side of things. Um, but and let's talk about that. I mean, you were recent or last time you were on the podcast, you were VP of sales with, with Buyer's Access, And back in December, you guys had a little bit of a a merger acquisition thing happen. Won't you catch the audience up and tell us what you're up to now?
1: Sure, sure. So, uh, uh, still with uh, a group purchasing organization, it turns out that uh, Omnia Partners was uh, really looking to break into the multifamily space. And that would include conventional, affordable, and student. And uh, so, they backed. Last summer, they purchased Pass Purchasing Solutions out of Dallas. Uh, that was our closest competitor on the Buyers Access side. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pass has been around for about 32 years, and um, Buyers Access came out of a um, uh, sort of an incubation of uh, from from Aimco years ago.
0: Isn't that crazy? Then,
1: yeah, I how, mean, how many how many <laughs> benches of them have of, happened these, that of
0: way. these supply companies have come out of? And, and I mean, yeah, you know, both services as well as product supply have, have come out of some type of incubator with the property management company.
1: Absolutely. I and mean, a lot of prop tech happened that way, too. Yeah. Um, but uh, so we we have been around for about 38 years. And um, so Omnia Partners made their first acquisition pass. And then uh, in November of uh, 2021, they acquired us. And so collectively, we are now the multifamily housing sector for Omnia partners within their private sector business. And Omnia is a a very large company based in Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, They had a very big focus in the public sector, uh, which is K through 12, um, and then higher ed. So there is a student housing connection there. They do a lot of business with colleges and universities across the country. And then on the uh, private sector side, they began building that organization up uh, through acquisition and others, and uh, along the way, picked up 400 of the Fortune 1000 companies that are doing business through there. So between public and private and uh, multifamily housing, uh, about $20 passes through the uh, group purchasing organization on a yearly basis. So uh, a good-sized company, probably close to 300 employees, and um, we are you know, we're now all one big family, which is great. And we've been able to uh, consolidate uh, into one entity. Uh, they brought us, you know, all along, which was great. And uh, we're busy out there now uh, introducing the multifamily housing world to uh, the new Buyers Access and Pass, which is now known as Omnia
0: Partners. So, so break that down a little bit because, you know, it's probably half-half with, with our audience may know what, a purchase partner, you know, is. So if I've got a, if I've got a project that is happening, you know, at a, for example, here's a, here's a common one that happens, something changes with the fire code and all of a sudden you've got to add fire extinguishers to all of your units um, inside the units. That's a, that's a big number. Do I just call you at Omnia partners and say, Hey, go source me, 150 fire extinguishers or or how does, how does Omnia, you know, how do your clients utilize Omnia partners in a situation like that?
1: Well, you actually, uh, in that particular scenario, you would call us, um, but there's a kind of a precursor step and that is become a member of a group purchasing organization. Uh, i.e. become a member of Omnia Partners. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> if there's no cost to join. There's no no uh, ongoing cost. Our revenues are derived from the supplier side of the equation. So we're able to bring the right suppliers. They have the right services, the right products into the situation with the multifamily or student housing owner operator. And uh, it allows us to uh, be in a position where we can make uh, recommendations that are Sound. Um, we've got our pulse on the business of both supply chain issues that we'll talk about in a moment, but also just the everyday blocking and tackling within uh, what happens with a supplier, uh, such as a maintenance, repair, and operating supplier, or paint supplier, flooring, etc. Uh, we can bring all those folks to bear. So within our group purchasing organization, we have relationships with about 150 supplier partners, and those <clears throat> excuse me, those supplier partners then. Provide goods and services to uh, student housing operators, multifamily owner operators, et cetera. And uh, if you have that fire extinguisher project that you need, um, we could do it at one single property, maybe an entire portfolio, uh, a region, et cetera. And we can bring those uh, special discounts, uh, some line item pricing to bear, and go above and beyond what an owner operator may be able to get on a bulk rate if they were just to call the supplier directly. So yes, okay. that's one example that we do. Uh, we've also uh, involved in renovations, so there's all those things that happen whether you're doing one or two units at your property or you're doing 30 or 40 or 50 or you're completely remodeling, rehabbing an entire student housing facility. Either one of those can can come into bear and we can help with, the, with those particular projects as well. So it's Sourcing suppliers, uh, bringing line item discounts to bear, uh, finding rebates that may not necessarily be readily available in the marketplace, and then marrying up those suppliers with the owner operator to achieve the goals and objectives that they have for procurement.
0: So all of that is the main reason. <laughs> that back in uh, back in the in the fall when Rich Kelly at uh, Interface conference group reached out to me and said, Hey, I want to enlist you for, for help on lease con, turn con. give me, you know, give some ideas on, on some good panels. And, you know, we said supply chain is going to be a, a big one. It was a big one this past turn and it's going to continue to, to be that way just based on, you know, what was going on with the pandemic and, and that type of thing. And, I knew no one has their, their pulse on that more so than, than you at that time. (laughs) And, and so I reached out to you and said, Hey, let's put a panel together and, you know, give me some ideas of of folks that we need to talk to. And you came up with a wonderful panel and then you couldn't be on it because of (laughs) this merger acquisition with, with Omnia partners. Um, but it was, but it was, it was still a great panel. We had, um, we had Lisa Dillon from University Furnishings, we had Brad Chandler with Fasilgo, we had Wade Griffin from Sherwin-Williams, and then also on the technology side, in addition to Brad, we had Michelle Wilcox with Turnable, um, and then from the operator side, it was it was Crystal Coleman, who's the VP of business operations at Scion. So it was a really, really good panel to, to give all those different perspectives uh, both, both on the supply chain as well as labor challenges, and uh, if you didn't get to go to TurnCon, make sure that you go um, next year because there's just uh, there's topics like that, panels like that that you're just not going to get the insight anywhere else except here on Student Housing Insight. So, <laughs> we, very true. We actually, uh, you know, at that at that point in time, the Omicron variant was just getting up and and started. This whole Ukraine thing was. Kind of on, I mean, you could see it showing up on a roadmap to some type of geopolitical catastrophe, right? Uh, but it wasn't and you know, it, it wasn't in, you know, it wasn't on the news every night. And no one certainly, I don't want to say no one, uh, no one was really thinking about what could that potentially end up causing with supply chain and, and that type of thing. So, you know, moving into to February where we saw that and started hearing about, you know some of these manufacturing plants that were in Ukraine that were causing issues, and then of course just fuel pricing going up.
1: Oh, yeah. I was about to say, Wes. I mean, I've uh, I have never in my life paid five dollars and five cents a gallon for diesel fuel, and I bought a truck specifically to uh, get that, that better gas mileage. It's a Ram fifteen hundred Eco Diesel. It gets twenty six miles a gallon on the highway. But uh, it's stopping a lot more frequently at gas stations these days.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> to, and to
1: fill up at five oh five a gallon.
0: Yeah, that reminds me. I, I've got to. Uh, I got to stop by Sam's Club on the way home to uh, to fill up because that's where I get gas at now. Yeah, um, it's typically about twenty cents cheaper than than the other gas stations around, and so I, you know, I'm just I'm I'm seeing that, and I'm thinking. You know, okay, what is this going to end up being like for for turn this year, and what is it going to end up doing with budgets this year? And so I reached, you know, reached out to you and said, "Hey, I think we need to get the crew together from <laughs> from uh, <laughs> from our meeting in in December, and you know, let's let's kind of get an update and do a, a two to that panel." Wade from Sherwin Williams wasn't able to to join us, unfortunately, due to some travel, but we did get both Brad and Lisa on it. And then also from from Omnia Partners, you, you said, "Look, Wes, you know, I, I know you think I'm the man when it comes to this, but we've actually got the man <laughs> here at, at Omnia Partners that you need to talk to, which uh, is Jonathan. And can you tell a little bit about Jonathan's background and and what he he does yeah. for Omnia Partners?
1: Yeah, so uh, so definitely." Um- uh, bringing in this topic requires a subject matter expert. And although we've uh, we've all lived it on the operations side in some capacity over the years, I don't think any of us have been quite quite this stunned. But uh, Jonathan Ovanis is our subject matter expert within Omnia Partners. Uh, Jonathan came over in the Buyer's Access acquisition. So I had the great opportunity and privilege to work with Jonathan for the last three and a half years prior to that acquisition. And uh, prior to... Uh, he was at buyer's access for probably eight years or so but prior to that he was with uh, hd supply and uh, uh, ran you know a division within hd supply so he's he's had his nose and pulse uh, to supply chain for close to 30 years and so having him on was uh, was very good to be able to, to to tap into his knowledge base of not only what's happening now but looking back, you know, what's happened over the years, he can, <clears throat> can take his collective experience and bring it to bear. And then, of course, we tried to bring it home, too, to say, all right, what, is this, what does this mean for student housing? You know, luckily or unluckily, the supply chain problems that we're having in the country and across the globe uh, affect every facet of multifamily housing, mm-hmm. whether it be affordable, conventional or student, So there's no, it doesn't, it doesn't pick one person to pick on or one area to pick on. No, it doesn't, um, And it gives, it, Jonathan gave us a, a good sort of overview of, of what's happening in that area. So I'm, I think our listeners will be happy to, to hear a little bit about that. But by the same token, we know that we can't go into tons and tons of specifics because things are changing so rapidly. So, you know, if we would have had this thing six months ago, we'd have talked about wood being so expensive. Uh, now we're talking about you know, gasoline prices and diesel prices, and, and that's driving uh, a lot of things up. Uh, but what also has occurred is this whole labor shortage thing. And you've all everybody's talked about the great resignation and all that kind of fun thing. But more importantly, I think it's been more a situation of not people's reluctance to go back to work, but the fact that they're not incentivized to do so and so that's put mm-hmm. a really big strain on the labor market so as we're getting materials in now there's a downstream problem because no one's there to you know not everything's robotic so not everything can be put together by machine so there's a lot of people that are necessary to get the pieces and parts assembled on an appliance uh, get that appliance shipped put that appliance on a truck get it delivered to its end place to be sold somewhere. So um, we're, we're seeing just a a lot of different things happen all at the same time. It's like that movie, the perfect storm only we're not, you know, we're not stuck on a boat with a lot of fish.
0: (laughs) Man, that was a scary movie. Honestly, (laughs) any movie where George Clooney dies and then sorry if I ruined it for you, but yeah. um, Yeah. That's that's disappointing, but yeah, I think you know. There, there's a lot of things I want to I want to say about it, and I will say not everything. And you know that our panel had to say was bad. I mean, Lisa no, gives no. an update. Lisa gives an update on uh, port fees going down, and so you know that's helping. But you know, at the same token, you've got gasoline going up, you've got you know price of install going up because of the labor. So, uh, and the more and more I went through this interview with them. Um, the more and more I realize this is this is less about just turn and more so on what's happening with with our budgets because many many people are in budget season right now. If you're on a fiscal budget that reflects the academic calendar and and you're trying to get those you know put away and so that they can be approved sometime in June or July and uh, and be able to to hit the ground with them in August and. We could see, we could see some significant inflation continue to happen through through the rest of the year, and how that's going to end up affecting things. and And we talk a little bit about it. I've got this. I've got this. Some of these uh, same members coming back to talk about on an upcoming shop talk conversation. Which, if you don't know what shop talk is, uh, it is the student housing industry monthly call uh, that was started back in the pandemic. Uh, if you listen to the episode with Miles Worth, we talked a little bit about student housing insight, taking that, uh, taking that in-house to provide administrative support and, uh, and some leadership and just content creation for that, for that monthly call. If you want more information on it, you can go register to get on the email list at shoptalk.info. And get more information there. We'll we'll, um, send you an invite to to register each month if that's something that you want to be on. I highly, highly, highly recommend being involved in it. If you're if you're a property manager or above, Um, it's something that you should you should be involved with. But I am looking at having them back on a on a specific segment to to go over exactly kind of line item by line item of you know, Hey, here's, here's what you can expect on, you know, plumbing expenses of, of what can, you know, what's going to increase as far as those supplies, what's, what's going to happen with cleaning supplies. And hopefully we can get a lot more granular with that. We, yeah, we touch on that a little bit in this interview, but uh, we definitely want to get into that when we, uh, when we do the shop talk. So anyway, with that being said, I want to go ahead and, and, get over to the interview, and then we'll have some takeaways on the other side. Sound good to you?
1: Hey, it sounds great. And I know there's a a lot of folks that are anxious to to hear what was said. Um, Like I said, real quickly, just to kind of follow up on that perfect storm movie, is not only were we affected by uh, the supply chain issues and the rising fuel cost, but then you had, as you mentioned, inflation. And we'll talk a little bit about that during the the actual uh, interview with the folks as well. But inflation, all hit all this hit at one time. So, you know, when that happens, um, sometimes you do have to run and hide. But uh, hopefully that, like we said earlier, all the news is not bad. There is some great news here. There's some good information. I think Lisa did a good job talking about that. And and you'll see where, you know, she's kind of, I will say, guaranteeing things. But uh, at least being able to be in a position where if charges do get Caught in and they go down. Hey, you know she's willing to work with people, and I think that's what supplier partners are all about. Is we're not trying to game the system or get you know get people to pay more. We're trying to do the right thing and find the great deals for everybody. And I think you'll find that uh, all these folks on the call are are very much at the at their heart concerned about uh, the owner operators that are out there that we represent.
0: Yeah, you're you're way more optimistic sounding than I am. Uh, great is the uh, good news. I'm not sure I'd put great news, <laughs> but but then You'll have I edit it. that out later. You
1: can replace that word. <laughs> I'll say the all right, here we go. Good. Now you can put that in there. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I am very optimistic. I'm always optimistic. Yeah, that's what future is always that's,
0: bright. That's why that's why I love having you as a co-host. All right, guys, here is that interview with the supply chain panel. Lisa, Jonathan, Brad, thanks so much for joining me today.
2: Good to be here. Thank you for having us.
0: So, back in December, I, I moderated a panel at TurnCon that included Lisa and Brad, regarding supply chain and labor challenges that we all felt may be impacting us this coming summer. Yeah, let's let's set the stage for uh, for everybody that, that may not have been there, but to, to just be kind of thinking of what was on everyone's mind at that point in time. You had the Omicron variant, which was only a couple of weeks old. I don't even know if they would found a case in the U.S. at that point in time. Gas was... You know, I think the average was two eighty eight a gallon in Dallas, Texas, where we were at. Lisa, you're in Dallas. Have you filled up your car this week? <laughs> and if so, what was the price?
3: Yeah, you know, I took out a loan for that and was able to <laughs> fill it up. It was 90 bucks, I think. So, yeah, it's, uh, I don't even know, 479 459 something wow. like that. Wow.
0: Yeah. Well, I've got to tell you, at least here in South Carolina, it's going down a little bit. Of course, I get mine at Sam's. At Sam's Club. So it was like 360, 364. But, you know, outside of that, it's kind of anywhere from, you know, 383 to, uh, you know, about 417 for, for regular. But, you know, so it, here we are in the last week of March and we've got a Russian invasion of Ukraine that's in its, uh, I think, uh, today we're we are recording this on, I believe, the 24th or 25th. And, you know, that invasion has been going on for a month now. The world, um, with the exception of China, has cut off Russia from, I think, all commerce. And I can't find almond milk on a grocery store shelf to <laughs> save my life. <laughs> I've ordered um, a new range over our uh, one of those ra- over-the-range microwaves for my kitchen that was uh, supposed to be delivered two weeks ago, and I just received uh, an email that Lowe's is, is you know saying that because of supply chain issues, it's going to be another two weeks before I get it. And the flooring guy that was supposed to start replacing my flooring next week just told me he's got to push that out another two more weeks because he's got to hire another crew in order to do it. So it just seems like this stuff is getting worse. And, you know, all I can think about is what is summer turn going to be like for student housing properties this summer? So, Lisa and Brad, is the supply chain and, and labor supply issues getting worse? or better since you guys sat on that panel back in December?
3: Um, If you want me to start, thanks so much for having me. So, you know, it's it's kind of a couple fold, right? The um, shipping time, shipping channels seem to be improving a little bit. You know, what was taking about 85 days from port to door is now down to about 65. Um, That's what we're seeing. So from a shipping perspective, it does seem to be getting better. The cost um, of containers is going down a teeny bit, not a lot, but a teeny bit. And then as it relates to labor, you know, we're not in our install season yet, but we're already seeing that, you know, in some cases, double-digit increases on hourly labor out there in different markets. So, and, And people are still hard to find. So we don't see that improving too much.
2: Yeah, and we're, we're kind of in the same line. The supply chain, you know, I think it's becoming more predictable. And I think people are expecting long delays. So it's, I'm not going to say it's predictable. Gotten, predictable helps, you know. Yeah. You're right. So it's one of those, I, I'm not going to say it's gotten worse. I think, as Lisa mentioned, it's getting a little better. But I think people are now, you know, you're kind of numb to it for how long it takes things to get there and you're expecting things to be delayed. So you kind of build in some of those delays as you plan, but the labor supply um, we actually see that getting worse. You know, there's still a large shortage of workers out there. Uh, It's very hard to hire people and we're seeing clients look at other options, even from a maintenance perspective on how can I use my existing staff in different ways, you know, such as, you know, mobile maintenance, or even outsource maintenance. Yeah. So they're getting pretty creative how to handle these situations that the supply and the the labor are being prevented to them.
0: Yeah. So Jonathan, you weren't on that panel uh, back in December because you were involved in a, in a merger between Buyer's Access and Omnia Partners. Partners, uh, You're monitoring supply chain issues closer than I think anyone else I personally know. You know would you say supply chain challenges are, are getting worse or are better since December?
4: Yeah, thanks for the question, Wes, and thanks for having me. And, and much like Lisa and Brad have said, it, I wouldn't say it's worse, but it's evolving. And things are, not I wouldn't say they're, they're, um, they're worse off. I think some things have gotten better. As, as Lisa said, the container flow is moving a little better. Um, but the truth is, is it's two, two fronts. We still have, you know, supply chain issues that go back to raw materials, back to components that manufacturers need to finish making items. Um, but then that labor component's still a factor, too, because things aren't moving through the chain as fast. And, you know, I'll give you an example, uh, certain companies like the appliance companies, they can't staff um, full shifts, so they might have less shifts working. And that's caused them to maybe um, uh, produce only certain items. And we'll talk a little bit about that later, too. Uh, but today, you know, anything with, with technology, if there's a computer chip in it, just like that microwave that you mentioned, no. everything with a computer chip in it seems to be delayed right now um, because of all those, those gluts in the, in the chain. Uh, but then even things like sheet metal, there's a big impact on the sheet metal market. So anything like your water heaters, your AC units that have sheet metal as a component, those are all, all impacted, too.
0: What, what's driving it with the sheet metal?
4: It, it, again all, all those factors we just mentioned so it goes right back to just gotcha. getting the raw materials from point A to point B once the raw materials are where they need them just having the shifts to, to turn that product and, and get it out and then the you know the the you know the supply chain factors with trucking and all that has had an impact on just getting things out once it's produced
0: yeah yeah gotcha. So, Lisa, let's talk about furniture because there are kind of two types of customers that, that you serve in student housing. One, you've got the new developments and the renovations, and and those you know on-time installs are absolutely critical because if if project is being delivered on August first, and you've got folks moving in on August fifteenth, and you guys have basically got two weeks to to get the furniture. Installed, you know, if if that doesn't happen, and uh, you know, there's no beds for people to to sleep on, that means the developers having to put folks in in hotels and and who knows what else, that, and it, it's going to cause a lot of problems. So you've got that type of customer, and then the second type of customer is. You know, your stabilized properties where, you know, you're just switching out damaged furniture and the order count is is much lower in the, You know than what you're going to see on a new development. Let's start with those new developments because those customers, you know, when we talked last time, I think you said most of them ordered, you know, 18 months ago. Are those shipments going to arrive on time?
3: Exactly. There are two types. And on the new development side, you know, it's a little bit different in that we ship that product from the port uh, overseas directly, it goes to a warehouse in the local market. So that kind of speeds it up a little bit, right? Where we don't have to ship it because they're full containers. We can ship it directly to the warehouse that we partner with in that market and then we deliver it from there. So that does kind of speed it up. You know, it's funny, you, you said that, you know, most people were ordering early and they were, I'm still actually getting requests Not from new devs, although I was even a couple months ago where people didn't do that. Um, And I'm still able to kind of get it on time. But at the end of the day, yeah, ordering early helps and getting it straight from the port to the warehouse locally helps. Now, on the other side, which you mentioned, Wes, and you're right, um, that's kind of the more complicated side of our business. And it's a large percentage of what we do. And that is replacement pieces. So those aren't full container loads and we have to mix those containers overseas with other product. And they actually have to ship to Dallas first and then ship out from there from our Dallas warehouse. So what we did this year is we backed up our order deadline. What used to be get your order in by April 1st, this year became January 15th for July deliveries and February 15th for August deliveries. Now, again, I still get calls and I will continue to get calls, but we also increased our inventory levels in our warehouse in Dallas so that we can pull from stock and not have to wait for that time. So it's complicated, but the, the two divisions sort of work a little bit differently th- than each other, if that makes sense. And to answer your question about on time, it darn sure better be on time. <laughs> yes, we feel like it'll be on time. We've created an incredibly large container tracking division, which we never had before a year ago. And we're watching it every minute. So
0: so Lisa, let's talk about, continue to talk about those new delivery or those new development customers. You've got that first part of, of getting it into, into the port and then to the warehouse. Sounds like that's going pretty smooth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other part is the labor install. Which one are you guys losing more sleep over? Having enough labor to complete the install on time or or actually getting the the furniture in enough time to have the install guys get it in?
3: You know, with student housing being so deadline driven, we are absolutely... Uh, I mean, we live and die by it, right? so we're we're absolutely certainly from here with the stress of it every year, really. I do think that with the timing and the container tracking that we're doing, we're seeing that the product will be there on time and will be fine. And as far as the labor goes, you know we have two install supervisors that work for us directly um, on every single job, and then they get about half of the labor from our local warehouse where we house the product. And mm-hmm. then the other half is temp labor. We're not seeing, I mean, yes, it's hard to find, but I guess there's a price for everything. They're raising these hourly rates amazingly high and, and are able to get more people because they're paying more money. So we haven't run into a situation where we can't get the labor and I'm going to knock on wood uh, or laminate, whatever I'm sitting at. Um, I think we'll be okay. Uh, we, we've never had that issue before, but it just costs more money is the thing. And that's why you're seeing the increases in the install prices and things like that.
0: So I was going to say, you know, obviously you've got the uh, the labor increases that you're just talking about. We've got the, the gas prices that we talked about earlier, um, that, you know, it doesn't look like, even though we've got a little bit of a, a dip right now in my area that I mentioned, uh, you know, what all the analysts are saying right now is that that's going to, con- is going to continue to climb going into the summer. You know, again, considering these orders were made, uh, you know, 18 months in, in advance, are you guys having to, to eat that cost? Or it sounds like, uh, I don't know if maybe this was agreed to in the purchase agreements or if it's just something you're going back to the, um, uh, to the folks and, and saying, look, our prices are going up. We're going to have to, you know, charge a, a fuel surcharge or something like that. Uh, what What's, how are you guys reacting to that? Or is it something that you guys are just having to eat?
3: So last year when the um, ocean freight, I'll get to gas in a minute, but last year when the ocean freight um, went up so much in cost, um, we really <laughs> had long discussions about what to do. And, and at the end of the day, we felt like we were already contracted, you know, even though our equity partners wanted to reach back out for additional funds, we just, Paul and I just didn't think that was the morally right thing to do. So we ate it last year and it was a tough year. Um, this year we did put in for the ocean freight as a surcharge. Um, and if it comes down, we'll pay that back. And that's as it relates to the ocean freight uh, increase in containers. And, and it's an interesting question about gas, right? So we get updated pricing from our truck broker. We use third-party trucking. And we got updated pricing, I guess it was in January that went effective into the web store and automatically priced. We've reached out to him just recently and said, Are there going to be any additions for the gas? And at this point, he's saying there isn't. If there is, and I would assume it's around the corner, yeah, we will have to kind of negotiate that with our client base and see what the the difference in dollars is as far as the freight goes, um, and that's trucking, I mean, because obviously these these freight prices are just out of whack. But as of like Monday, I spoke to him that there, there's not he's not changing pricing at this point.
0: Gotcha. Let's talk about turn furniture. Did I hear you say earlier that <laughs> there's still folks putting it putting orders in?
3: Yeah, and there will continue to be, Wes. It's crazy. Um, you know, I get I get panic calls, crying managers, July, June, July, August, freaking out saying I didn't order enough. Or, you know, if you think about it, it's really difficult to sort of forecast your replacement order in January. Right. I mean, a lot of them did their walks in, in spring, at spring break and now they had to back it up to winter break and things break between then and now. So that's why we increased our inventory levels and, You know, I fill what I can fill and people even will, you know, go as far as to take other colorways, even if we don't have their colorway in stock, we do everything that we can to help them out. And we stock a ton of beds, mattresses, bed frames. Those tend to be kind of the emergency items. Um, I'm getting to a point where as far as putting it in production, I'm almost done. Um, I've got about a week to go because I need 60 days to produce it and we're factoring 65 days across the water. So at this point wow. I'm right. going to be left with what I have in stock in the warehouse, which is great. And, right. and we've got stuff coming in, but it's just a potential of, of looking at it when they tell us what they need. But yeah, people they'll go all the way through summer calling me freaking out. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I've probably been I've probably been that person to be honest.
3: <laughs> I don't. I can't remember if you were, but yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, I helped you when you did.
0: Well, it's you know, it's always, it, it, it's always that last minute thing. Yeah, sure. something uh, you, you take over a new property that's had really you know bad occupancy, and you know you sure. may get a hold of it in November or December, and you know they've been dealing with you know eighty five percent occupancy, and so. Yeah, you, you look at it and say okay, well, maybe we'll get to 93, 94 and then all of a sudden you're sitting at the end of the end of the leasing season and you you've almost got 100%. It's like, well, we didn't order enough furniture for this. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, th- there's always those type of things and then there's always stuff gets gets damaged in those summer months that you know, no matter how how often you walt it during the year, Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't keep that uh the last week of summer session, you know, the the party that had the jello shots that end up all over <laughs> <laughs> the furniture yeah. that can't be pulled out that you end up having to right figure something out. So slip covers are always your best friend.
3: Yeah, and we do a lot of those too. <laughs>
0: Well, um, Jonathan, you, you've got your hand on the pulse of you know kind of all the product ca- categories. Let's kind of talk about the replacement items first. If I'm a maintenance supervisor at a at a property today, and I'm thinking about you know what has to be purchased for the summer's turns, you know, let's blinds, appliances, plumbing fixtures, light fixtures, doors, potentially some cabinets and countertops. What can I expect when I go to to log on with You know, any of the suppliers from Omnia Partners, so HD Supply, you can go through all of them that you guys work with, but... What, what, what should I expect when I go to those portals to order those things and are they going to be in stock?
4: Yeah, it's a great question. And I'll tell you, market by market, item by item, you, you are going to see out of stocks. It's, it's going to be out there this year. You know, Lisa spoke to it, you know, with the furniture situation. You know, if you're um, used to ordering a certain item um, and you can't get it, you may have to have a plan B. And I think that's, you know, one thing we wanna be mindful of is that, as I mentioned with those manufacturers right now, uh, use appliances as an example, uh, Whirlpool may have 30 different refrigerators that they typically manufacture. You may have one or two that are the ones that you tr- primarily try to focus on for your unit. The truth of the matter is, is that they might not be producing that refrigerator at all right now. Um, so no one can get it. So you, you first, you know, uh, wanna think about, well, what are my standard items? then communicate with that supply chain partner. That's really the, the biggest uh, best practice and best takeaways is reach out to them, have those discussions, that item that you're planning on. It could be a faucet. It could be a door lock. It could be something simple, but that manufacturer just might not be producing it right now. Um, and, and they'll know those things. So, so reach out, start that communication process, have a plan B. So when you know that primary item that you're really focused on isn't available, that you've got something as a backup. So I think that's, that's really important to know. And as you mentioned, uh, at Omnia partners, we have a number of supply chain, uh, uh, Partners out there. So uh, if you do need someone to help look across all of those supply chains, we're here to help with that. Um, uh, but more importantly, if, if you just c- uh, communicate with your supplier, you should be able to get a lowdown on where uh, there's going to be a, a shortage um, and really plan accordingly and have that plan be in place.
0: Is there, uh, you know, as you're kind of keeping the pulse on all of this and helping folks, you know, source it across multiple multiple outlets, is there is there a particular supplier that you see that's doing a better job of it than anybody else?
4: They're, they're all working very hard to keep up. And I I think category by category, supplier by supplier, there may be some that have strengths, um, but again, it varies even by market. So uh, there's not um, any one simple answer. uh, But the truth is, is that by keeping your eyes open and planning ahead, uh, then we have a chance to really circumvent any of those potential concerns.
0: Gotcha. So let's, let's talk about supplies. You know, I'm thinking, you know, like caulk and and paint, copper tubing, PVC. We used to get by with placing those orders about, you know, four weeks before turn. So we have the chance to receive it, catalog it in the maintenance shop. We need to be ordering those things earlier.
4: I'll tell you, what. I've been in this industry, supporting this industry for almost 30 years. And there was never a time until today that I would say, yeah, buy, buy in advance and store it. And uh, we've, as, as a, uh, you know, a child of the, the 80s and the 90s, you know, we grew up in this just-in-time inventory world. And the truth is, is that we're, um, we're really seeing uh, some impact on that. So uh, when we think about uh, the commodities, there are, again, as I mentioned, some raw material shortages. So in the case of paint, um, it's not that there won't be paint, it's just that you might not have exactly the, the the brand or the sheen of paint you want, right? It may be a little different grade of paint that you need to look at, but the way to get around that, the way to circumvent that is to buy in advance. And there are a number of storage solutions that are available. So if you have a small shop and you don't have a lot of space for things, um, again, reach out to those supply chain partners. There's a variety of storage solutions available to help with that. Um, uh, but the truth is, for the first time in my career, I can say yes. Um, you may want to look into buying stuff in advance to know that you're going to have it in stock because this this is a really unique cycle that we're in.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so for those property managers, Mitch, you know, the the hearing that, I, you know, if you're on a, a fiscal cycle with your budget, you know, of a, of an August to July or September to, to August, you know, there's there's always that that period. Of you know, typically most groups are are August to July, and so you could put that that stuff in in July. And you know, if you're on a cash basis, you're not paying that out until August, and it's it's on the next you know fiscal cycle. So if you didn't budget those things in in June and July, and have them budgeted or you know planning to put those in the budget for for August, talk with your accounting department and see if that. You know if that needs to be accrued differently, or, or exactly what? Because I'm with you, I, and I'm hearing from other folks, there stuff that they would typically, you know, order late June, early July. Uh, they're going to be putting in, in in May, so makes makes a lot of sense. Um, what else are you seeing that you know student housing operators need to be prepared for going into the summer, be it turn or, or anything else?
4: Yeah, well, I'll I'll start, you know, by saying that um uh you know, Lisa hats off uh, to her crew and her team for being able to keep those fuel surcharges down, but I do know that a number of suppliers are are going to start to have to institute those in some places. Uh so you want to be mindful of that cuz uh, you know, Wes you mentioned the budget, right? Cuz uh that that may be an aha moment for some. Um I think one way to mitigate that though is to be mindful of uh really uh, you know, placing that large order um, and s- instead of having multiple small orders, you know, to kind of keep control of that. As we've all kind of hit on a little bit here, that commodity pricing is also going up. So we think about the shortages and we think about the, um, the scarcity of items that also forces those prices up. So things like that, the, the sheet metal that we talked about, that's causing uh, some inflation uh, for some of those items. So be mindful of that too, because what you had uh, maybe estimated for some budgeting, you know, may have to be revisited. And then along with everything that's going on with these shortages, I did wanna let the group know too uh, that uh, HVAC regulations are gonna be changing again. And in 2023, there's a higher level of efficiency needed. And what's gonna happen this summer is that many of the manufacturers are gonna start to retool their factories to start making the new standards for that equipment. And if, if you're not schooled up on this yet, if you haven't heard about this yet, reach out to your supplier partners get aware of what's going on the regulations that are changing are are going to happen a little differently this time and especially for those in the southern part of the country if you have equipment that you store on hand and you like to have a few ac units on hand in case something goes wrong you really need to be mindful of when those need to be installed based on the new regulations and if, if folks need help with that they can definitely reach out to us at Omnia Partners, um, but definitely reach out to your supply chain uh, partners and they'll they'll help keep you in the loop on what's changing in HVAC as well.
0: Gotcha. And you said they're going to start retooling those factories this summer?
4: Many manufacturers are, and that's going to create a little bit of havoc in the marketplace um, if you haven't planned ahead.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So, you know, talking about budgets, um, Brad, your company provides a, uh, several software applications <laughs> that give operators a lot of insight into facility management and expense analysis customers can also you know use it to, to order products and service from uh, from the marketplace what is it that your technology is telling your customers or giving them insight into when it comes to cost analysis and how their budgets may be impacted this coming summer and, and even into next year
2: yeah it's it, it is interesting time with the budgets when you think of when they were created. And, you know, here we are, you know, many months later um, executing to them. So what our software does, it's a it's a it's a platform supporting maintenance turn and renovations. Right. So what we allow them to do is plan out their their turns. But along with that, obviously, is your your purchasing a product and your purchasing of services. So, yeah, I think everybody got the hint to purchase early. You know, working with their suppliers, they can they can purchase orally through our system to get it to the into the supply chain to get it there. With the the service providers, with them, you know, giving them you know heads up on you know when things will occur is obviously giving them value. But again, like like you're experiencing with your flooring, um, they're finding they need more crews. There's more turnover now, so yeah. um, you know that's a, a struggle for them. So what the system will show them. You know, it'll, it'll show them that, that, that budget versus actuals and in, in today's market, it's, it's a tremendous variance that they're seeing. So there's, there's been a lot of reworking of budgets based on, as they learn from the suppliers.
0: Are you able to, you, you able to, to give a little bit of a percentage of, of what that they're typically seeing right now?
2: Well, on, on appliances, they're seeing a, you know, what's, you know, a 75 to 80% increase. Wow. you know, from their budget to what, you know, the actual costs are. And, you know, it's it's one that, you know, we, we always tell them, you know, work closely with your with your suppliers, not only from um, what you need, but also be flexible on what um, options can be. Because as Jonathan mentioned, you know, not everything's going to be available there that you, you want. You may have to go with an alternative to do that. The system will give them that insight when they go to order, you know, if something's going to be discontinued or if there's a a back order and how long that'll be so they can plan accordingly. But you know, we're finding now, even as they come up closer and closer to delivery, as Jonathan mentioned, the suppliers are working hard. They're all working hard to get an understanding of this supply chain to help uh, their clients. But there's still that instance that comes up that that product's not available. We got to go to plan B or plan C. So it's important to have that flexibility as you're going into the execution side of it, uh, especially when you get to your the service providers there again with the crews and the timing, and then their uh, material that they need. It's um it is definitely a challenge out there.
0: So uh, Brad, let, you know, let, let's continue on the budgets here for a minute because one of my biggest complaint uh, with the you know property management systems that that we use be it multifamily or in student housing, there's not a good budget module. There just isn't. And, uh, you know, that's something that, that I believe you guys provide that within within your system as well, where it, it's not just an approval process, but can people actually create a budget within your
2: system? Well, you, you can load budgets within the system that gotcha. you can then compare, obviously, to your, your purchasing and your services. Um, many of them will leverage the accounting system and create the budget there, and then we'll download it, or they'll create it in Excel and we'll upload it for them. So, they have that ability and they can iterate it, which we're seeing, um, you know, as as we progress through the the quarters, they do end up uh, iterating as they learn more, as they see prices um, get conveyed back to them from their suppliers and service providers.
0: Gotcha. So, as, the, as they're going through that budget creation process, and like I said, most of housing Fiscal years, or you know, in, uh, in August to, to July, and I kind of want to put this out to the group. But what kind of increases? I mean, we've got the most inflation that we've seen in forty years, and you know that that's. And I'm amazed. Like you know, I mentioned the whole thing with at the beginning with you know being able to find uh, almond milk. Uh, that, that's, that's our family. We don't, you know, we don't drink cow milk. And so, uh, you know, and uh, as the past few weeks have gone by and it's just harder and harder to, to find that, you know, uh, I'm looking to find out what's, what's behind that. And, you know, there was a whole list that came out in November of, Hey, here are some plant-based foods that you're going to, you know, probably end up having issues with. And almond milk was, was certainly one of those. So but the other thing that i'm looking at too is the price is going up significantly as well and you know so i'm thinking again about these student housing providers who are you know actively in budget season if they've got that fiscal year of of august to july what's a, what's the a right number i mean you guys are all seeing this i mean you know what what's the right number across kind of these different expense categories
2: that's a tough one to to throw a single number out across all the categories, as Jonathan was mentioning. They they vary substantially, but they're all struggling. But even beyond that, we're seeing you know clients look at, hey, how can I you know extend the life of these high value items? You know, how can I repair that that broken desk or that table? You know, instead of buying new because I just can't get one in time or I can't get the one I want. Um, and then they're also, you know, they also want to see across multiple suppliers. You know, they're asking us to bring in other suppliers that we have relationships with to so they can create relationships with, so they can compare. So when they when they can order within our marketplace, they can't see across. And it's and it's not only price these days, but it's also fulfillment. You know, it's yeah. that relationship. You know, can kind I of get it fulfilled? So it's it's a tough one to, to put a a percent, you know growth upon a budget in this environment, but it's also getting creative on how am I going to live within my budget?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Jonathan, are you are you able to drill down a little bit more and say, uh, hey, in, in this particular, I know you mentioned earlier with the with plants is, you know, some people are seeing a 80% increase over their budget, not 80% increase in the in the actual product. Are you able to, to give any clearer insight into that?
4: Yeah, I, I wish I could, Wes. I think, um, you know, Brad made a great point about uh, iterations of budgets, right? I think it's a good time to be nimble. It's a good time to um, keep your options open. I think if, if you're in the process of budgeting, you want to give yourself some leeway and some flexibility. And, um, and Brad made a great point too about being creative and, and really understanding where are those other levers that I can pull to help me stay in budget. Uh, the truth is, is um, uh, all the suppliers are, are working hard to maintain Those prices. Lisa's company is a great example of that, where they um, they honored those contracts. They're 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 holding back those other charges that are coming, but not everyone's going to be able to do that. So it's really just a matter of uh, keeping your eyes open and then taking those proactive steps where you can to uh, to be creative and make those adjustments where you can make them.
3: Well, and and guys, you know, I I heard something recently that I think this week about you know, record high rents. I mean, at the end of the day, the end user is going to be the one to pay that. Rents are going to raise. And I don't even remember what the number was. The average rent in Dallas, it was really, really, really high. Um, and the average home sales, I think the national average is now 500000 for a house. I mean, it just, at the end of the day, uh, you're going to get your almond milk west, but you're going to pay a lot for it, right? <laughs>
0: Um, trust yeah. me it's it's better than dealing with the with the heartburn and indigestion later yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. so uh, let, let's well and, and again i mean are, are you guys plugging in any kind of percentages for for stuff that um you know you're now bidding out for 2023
3: 2024 lisa so yeah i'm sticking with the ocean ship freight surcharge i'm keeping that in there um and uh, as far as increase on pricing, um, no, I'm just at the end of the quote, I'm just saying I'm giving it an expiration date and saying reforecast because, again, the factories don't give us price increases until the fourth quarter. So I see a lot of clients, especially on the new dev side, um, putting in contingencies now too, where I didn't really see that before. So they have some contingency dollars. Um, built into their budget so that you know if any category um, sees a huge increase they can draw from that money gotcha
0: gotcha so you know last question and kind of thinking about the future of things because because this is what is keeping you know operators and owners up at night you know as they think about kind of the geopolitical atmosphere and what's going on you got this thing in ukraine it's it's Teetering on, you know, trying to bring more countries into it, and, and if that happens, this thing stages out, you know, for a long period of time, things could get could get pretty hot. We're seeing, you know, China giving a lot of support to to Russia. We're now seeing India, you know, telling the West, look, it's just just stop trying to to pressure us. And at the same time, they don't seem to be slowing their their discussions down with their neighbors to the north with China. And so, uh, you know, I look at Asia. I mean, so much of this stuff is manufactured in Asia. Um, Lisa, you mentioned uh, previously to me that, that you guys pulled out of China a, a long time ago. And, and, you know, you're now in Vietnam for the most part with with manufacturing. I just want to get your opinion. One kind of, you know, if, if this thing escalates and, and relationship with, with some of these uh, specifically with China, ends up causing more issues in the Pacific where we're going to have more issues with getting things that are being shipped. Lord forbid there's an invasion of Taiwan that ends up happening. Uh, these are the kind of things that are keeping folks up at night, When, it, especially when it comes to the development side of things within our industry. Uh, is there When it comes to the manufacturers, is, is there a big focus on, you know trying to find alternatives lisa you mentioned you guys are already in vietnam or you guys look or you hearing from other man- manufacturers that they're trying to bring things more stateside or, or in south america just want to put that question out there because i don't know that we really hear that a lot in the in the news about you know what these companies are thinking about doing as far as um, their manufacturing facilities
3: Yeah. So, I mean, I spoke to the furniture side of it as well. And like I said, we're already up and running in Columbia. Um, And, you know, with with all of the SKUs, Wes, you know, with all the SKUs that we have, um, it's it's just not an overnight thing, right? We've got to be able to have them build it, spec it, let us approve it. Um, We've spent lots of time. We we have a team over there that's um, managing, ramping those up. And I really believe that that's what we, um, you know, as manufacturers, have to do. We have to get out of those hot zones. Um, you know, Vietnam has been good. Um, there was, we did have some strikes a couple, a few years ago. I don't remember when that was, but, you know, that occurred. But you're absolutely right. This world situation is extremely scary. And, you know, you just have to react in the moment. And, I, I want to get out of Asia. And I, again, I would love to be able to build in, in the USA. It's just, it's just not as easy as it sounds. And even the manufacturers of specifically furniture that, that claim to build in the USA, they're getting components from um, Asia. And it's not, it sounds good in a marketing campaign, but it's really, not wholly true. Right. I mean, they're assembling it here, not building it here. Right. Because all the components are coming from other places. So it's a very complicated, tricky situation for sure.
0: Yeah. Any thoughts from the other guys
2: here?
0: Well, guys, I appreciate it so much. The, you know, I know this thing is um, it, it's, it's kind of this, you know, slowly evolving thing as. The, as we're able to, to read the tea leaves a little bit um, clearer each day as to to what kind of impact we're going to have return so I don't know maybe we'll have another update between you know, between now and and sometime around early summer uh, but wanted to again just thank you for the time that you guys uh, gave for this I think our, our audience is better for it any other last words of, uh, of advice or, or wisdom you want to impart upon upon
2: our listeners? I guess it was it's always that you know take the lessons learned from this year and prepare for next year. <laughs> and, you yeah. know plan plan ahead and you know you know look at your budgets and be creative.
4: Yeah, just keep communicating with your suppliers, just keep that communication line open and then uh, keep asking those questions.
3: Yeah, 100% agree. Communication is key. And, um, you know, I think as a supplier, we're accountable to be sure to communicate to our clients early and often as to the situations. But Wes, these podcasts are great. And I think what I've learned mostly today is that I need to beef up my office so that it looks as cool as yours. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. If you if you need any camera suggestions or um, <laughs> mic suggestions, just let me know. I, I will do it. Going through it. So.
3: I will do it.
0: Well, guys, thanks so much, and we'll talk soon. Okay,
3: right. thanks, thanks guys. Thanks a lot. Take care, everybody.
0: Well, a big thanks again to to those guys for spending the time to. Um, uh, you know, enlighten us. Give us a little bit of uh, behind the scenes look of, of you know these types of conversations that uh, that are happening in their offices. I, I really appreciate their time with that. And I think I think it really goes to something I want to dig in a little bit more. Uh, you know, w- with you, Ken, is it does it does take a village? You know, it takes all of us. It takes uh, you know over and over again. Uh, I think Jonathan was talking about. You know, talking to your suppliers, communicating with your with your suppliers, and that's that's really we can't be can't be afraid. We can't put that off. Um, we can't be we can't even be afraid of bad news that, that may come from those conversations. But I think having those having those conversations and staying in constant communication is the key. And it, we're actually providing something here at Student Housing Insight to to help. You know, enhance those conversations a little bit, and that's our new app that we just released called SHI Connect. If you go to your app store, um, you'll you'll see it there, um, or in the Google Play Store, you'll see it, you'll see it there. Just search SHI Connect. But it is a way for us as industry professionals, as well as uh, you know the folks that are on the on the product and service supply side, to have some of these conversations. And I think that's, and and not just a, yeah, you can have private conversations, but you can have public conversations just like any other social media platform that's out there. Uh, But this is, you know, it's all student housing professionals, right? And so, so definitely want to, I know we've been kind of teasing that in the, in some previous podcast episodes, but it is, it's now April. So (laughs) we are, and it's live. uh, yeah, it's live. Um, I think this podcast will come out. Uh, this particular episode will come out right before uh, April first, but April first is the public release date. But if you if you're listening to this beforehand, you can still search it and find it, and you'll just have to wait a day or so before it before you're actually able to get credentials. But you can go ahead and download it. So, yeah, excited about that. And you guys have got some fantastic content that that you're providing on that as well Um, it can also be found at your website you want to tell them a little bit about the the blog
1: yeah sure so um i will give another shout out for the uh for the chic um app (laughs) that you've got going for you there you know who who knew that wes was you know in a fashion officiato, but here we are (laughs) Um, but it is a great app Uh, we've just Really, just started it, and I know the group is excited about uh, about some of the content that we can start contributing to it. And I uh, promise that we'll uh, put some some content out too about the uh, supply chain portion. as kind of a follow up to uh, this podcast. But uh, on the Omnia Partner side, uh, you know, Jonathan did mention that there are a number of resources you can go to the supplier directly. You can contact uh, you can contact us at Omnia Partners, and we can. Uh, get you in touch with the folks that we work with and our internal resources to help uh, navigate some of these areas as well. But um, uh, one thing I've found that is very, very helpful is uh, our marketing group does a great job of keeping our website up to date and uh, the product development team is um uh, constantly putting new information out there within our blog so um, if you check out omniapartners.com, com if you go to the private sector uh, and then uh, go over to contacts and you can choose the blog piece or if you like to just type in if you're if one of these URL people that like to just key <laughs> in a, a nice long phrase you can go to HTTPS uh, colon forward slash forward slash private dot partners dot com forward slash blog and that'll take you right to the private sector blog which gives you uh, page after page after page of updates from you know how to how to navigate the supply chain crisis how to uh, find resources in times of need things like that and just to to reiterate you were talking about group purchasing earlier but you know, not only do we marry up the supplier people along with, you know, our members, which are the multifamily and student housing owner operators, but we also can help uh, with better category and spend management. So oftentimes, you know, especially during the pandemic, you know, it wasn't all about toilet paper and, and hand sanitizer, although there was a lot of that. Um, it was more on the lines of how can I find an alternative to the products I normally buy because I can't get them right now. They're out of mm-hmm. stock. And can I go somewhere else? So we help direct a lot of people uh, in those areas and advise them how to get there. And oftentimes we were actually, you know, holding hands and getting them across to those new suppliers or those alternative sources while their other suppliers were playing catch up. So uh, all those things kind of come into bear uh, come into play, excuse me, when when working with a group purchasing organization, because if, if there's a way to help, if it has the word procurement or purchasing in it, we're going to be there to, to do our level best to help you out. And if we can't, the good news is we're very honest and transparent and we'll tell you. And uh, uh, at a minimum, we can get you in touch with, if not one of our supplier partners, a supplier in the world that may be able to help them out. So,
0: Yeah, I can actually vouch for that. I had, not since the merger. Um, but, but I trust you that, that it's all the same. And, but yeah, you know, there were a couple of, a couple of projects in 2021 where I said, all right, I gotta, I gotta, this is from a, you know, properties I was providing asset management to, and, uh, even some transactions where the buyer was saying, Hey, we want to go in and add TVs, you know, to a property that didn't have any TVs. And, uh, yeah, was able to to reach out with one phone call to to you guys and, and get some pricing right away on that. So yeah, glad um, to help. And absolutely. it's expanded.
1: I mean, we've got even more categories, and uh, it's it's expanded in the whole realm of IT or multifunction uh, copier equipment through Ricoh and Conica Minolta. I mean, there's just a number of number of ways you can go now. Office supplies are all, obviously a fun thing to try to hold in student housing, and so we're always uh, Uh, helpful in those areas too. So anything that, anything you can buy or service from, there's a likelihood that we can assist. And again, it's not a, we're not trying to do a shameless plug. A group purchasing organization is there for you for that purpose. And so I encourage you to seek out the one that meets the best needs for you.
0: Well, Ken, I appreciate it so much. Uh, Again, uh, if if folks want to follow Ken, you can find him on LinkedIn. You can also find him at the SHI Connect app um, he's been one of our our beta testers for that, <laughs> so <laughs> I could tell you he is he's on there and active, and he'll he'll pass along all the information uh, that that he knows that you can find of benefit. So, uh, again, thanks so much, Ken, for for helping put this panel 2.0 together as well as serving as co host, and we'll talk to you soon.
1: Yeah, happy to do it, Wes. I really hope that uh, your your listeners out there are able to derive a good bit from it, and you know what. If they have any questions at all, reach me out there on the on the app. I'd be glad to to help. Um, and if I can't help them, I'll find someone who can.
0: All right, fantastic. Thanks, Ken. Take care. All guys. right, take care.